today here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Mike Roth and Mike McCormick back again. Mike is a CPA, certified tax coach, and Mike uses IRS-approved and court-tested tax planning strategies to help his clients stop wasting money by paying more in taxes than required. He can do the same for a lot of other people, maybe even a few listeners. His various credentials indicate his dedication to continuing improvement and desire to help navigate the financial road on which most business professionals are traveling. His assistance goes far beyond compliance services. Like his client, Mike has worn many hats. As part of the management team of businesses like yours, he has had significant impact on HR, accounting, employee benefits, financial services, technology decisions. He is a unique and valuable resource to help you strive to increase cash flow and profit by minimizing income taxes. Mike works primarily with privately held businesses, entrepreneurs, medical specialists, and other professionals who are tired of feeling like they're single-handedly funding the government. Mm. Mm. Nobody, feel, nobody feels that way, Mike. No, not a, no one I know. <laughs> nobody you know. Most, most of those folks don't have the time, desire, or confidence to create their own tax-saving plan. Mike's clients count on him to ensure a long-term business and personal success. Mike, how many years have you been doing this for clients? Well, specifically the tax planning arena, I would say six years. I've been a CPA for about 17 years now. I think I've had my certificate. Okay. And Mike has agreed to take questions from callers. Today, our call-in number is the same as always, 646-595-4916. Mike, I'm holding a copy of uh, your book. One of my books. One of one of your <laughs> books, yes. If you look carefully over on the library, you might find the other one. But this book I thought was mo- most interesting for today. Why didn't my CPA tell me that? The small business write-offs that conventional tax advisors miss. Now, that's kind of a catchy title. Well, we thought so. Oh, you and thought it, so. Yeah, we thought so. And this book is available on uh, On Amazon, Amazon. absolutely. Amazon. Amazon or, or contact me directly, um, and, and we can get a copy out to Good. And the telephone number, if they want to contact you directly, is? 513-488-1121. Good. What is the single biggest error that entrepreneurs and small business people make in uh, handling their taxes or tax planning that cause them to pay more in income taxes for their business or, or themselves or both that most people 
miss? I'd say it, it is for both, the, both the personal life and their business. The single most expensive mistake that they make, Mike, is not proactively engaging a professional that is skilled in finding discounts in the tax code that apply to them. It, and it could be, you know, some, some things are relatively simple, but it could be more complex. And, and, it, and the strategies employed will, be, will depend on the specific individual and specific businesses situation. Um, you know, we, we run through a, a pretty broad spectrum of strategies when we're dealing with a new client and attempting to find find those specific ones that apply to their situation where we can wring out some tax dollars and help them keep more in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular mistake that business owners commonly make? Well, it, lately it seems that um, many small business owners or business, small businesses are not consistently tracking their expenses. You know, they may they may have a bookkeeper that tracks the internal activities, but they may be spending monies on the outside that are actually business expenses and there's no good way to track them unless you 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 set up a system to track those. So you may be missing um write-offs that you're eligible for for money that has been spent, but if you don't capture way or have a way to capture those expenses in a system that tracks them throughout the year, you're going to, you may end up spending so, money and not taking the tax advantage for so it. So a business owner goes to a business leader's workshop on mm-hmm. August 10th. The mileage that he drives mm-hmm. to get there sure. is reimbursable absolutely. and deductible? And absolutely. He, it, it, that's business mileage like no other uh, or any other. Uh, he should have a log. He should get reimbursed by his company for those miles, depending on the type of entity that he's working under, a sole proprietor or a corporate entity. Uh, the, the reimbursement structure might be a little bit different. Sole proprietor would just take the mileage expense on their personal tax return. The corporation should reimburse them for any other expenses if they're operating under one of those entity types. And mm-hmm. we, we cover entity types in the in the first book, mm-hmm. The Entrepreneur's Guide to Forming a Business Entity. Right. Have there any have there been any new entities? No, they're they, they don't change often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the intricacies of any one entity will will vary a little bit year to year. Based on what Congress does and and where their loyalties lie, I guess. But the entities themselves are are pretty much static. They're the same ones that have been around for years. And when the business owner is sloppy about outside expenses like parking for business meetings, what is the, the best remedy for something like that? Well, having a good record keeping system. You know, the. I always use auto expenses as um, uh, uh, starting a conversation about record keeping. When an IRS agent is auditing a company's books, one of the first things that they look at is auto expenses. You know, it, it's it should be a relatively easy expense for them to verify. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rules say you have to have a log. If you don't have a log, then you may lose the deduction. Um that also sets the stage for the rest of the audit. If you are not a good good bookkeeper at the most basic level on a mileage log, then how good of, of a bookkeeper are you with the rest of your expenses? So it sets the, the tone and the stage for the remainder of the audit. Mm-hmm. Is there software for one's cell phone which will automatically oh. create the log of mileage? There are... A multitude of, of apps that you can use on on iPhones, on Google um, uh, devices, Androids, Androids. Um, 
any and blackberries if anybody's still carrying one of those um but some most of the ones i've seen require some user input so you have to tell it that you're leaving and and it starts the mileage clock or you have to tell it that you've stopped um i have seen seen a couple of the more advanced ones where you can actually plug them into the um the electronics port on your under your steering column mm. that will um start recording as soon as the vehicle moves um they're a little more expensive but extremely accurate so you plug it into the obdc two port yep and then you must have to download that into your computer somehow right yeah you would periodically pull it off plug it into a probably i believe it's probably a usb connection mm-hmm. and you can read the data um the mileage data i don't I, it may be tracking more things than just mileage but i know it has the mileage data in there now you would still need some way to identify what that particular range of miles was for business personal so it can't go into the calendar calendar app right. on your phone right. pull out the fact that i had a meeting with mike uh, mccormick drove 23 miles to his office i wouldn't swear that it doesn't do that it very well could but okay. it would have it would need some sort of wireless connection then inside your car mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know okay that's good again yeah. you, you, uh we're going to take a commercial break here and if you have a question for mike you can call in we're going to be screening callers during the commercial break the number is 646 646- Five nine five four nine one six, and uh, let's listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. Why do some business owners make lots of money while others endure years of mediocrity? Is it really the economy, the market, the weather, the competition? No, these are all called excuses, which are always plentiful. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder of Roth and Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. As a business owner or part of a team, are you accepting excuses from your sales team because you make them yourself? Business winners succeed in spite of this trash. Business winners invest in themselves and their people. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales, call me at 513-646-6523. I'm the most experienced Sandler Sales trainer in Cincinnati. To find out how Sandler training can make you better, faster, and stronger, call 513-646-6523. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler Sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, Call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder and president of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. You've been listening to me talk about sales growth and development for years. Now listen to what my clients have to say. Hi, this is meteorologist Rich Apuzo, chief operating officer at Sky Eye Weather. 
We are consultants for multi-million dollar businesses that are directly impacted by the weather. I've been a client of Sandler Training by Mike Roth for just over six months, yet even in these tough economic times, our business continues to grow. Mike has done an amazing job with me, and I want to thank the folks at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates for all their help. And hey, when you're talking to Mike about sales, if you need a meteorologist, ask for my number. I'm Eric Harding of Lear Capital, the leaders in tangible wealth protection, gold and silver. I've been a client of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates for over nine years. Even in these tough economic times, our business continues to thrive. In fact, I'm having a record year. Mike has really done one heck of a great job with my sales process. I want to thank the folks at Sandler for all of their help. If you want help on owning the right forms of gold and silver, call Mike. He'll give you my number. Then ask Mike how he can help you have a record year in 2009. Hi, I'm Rick Myronfeld, mortgage loan officer at U.S. Bank Home Mortgage. It's no secret that these are volatile times in the financial community. I recognize that I needed help. A business associate highly recommended Sandler training by Roth & Associates. Best business advice that I have ever received. What a difference Mike Roth at Sandler Training has made in my life. Hello, Southwest Ohio. I'm Matthew Moats, Jr., founder and president of Avalanche Ice, LLC. We're in the business of supplying packaged ice to retailers, restaurants, parties, and festivals in the Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. I realized the need for having a strong sales system, so I started attending Sandler Sales Training by Roth & Associates about a year ago. The results have been phenomenal. So if you want to heat up sales and cool down the competition, you owe it to yourself to go see Mike Roth at Roth & Associates. Hi, I'm George Atoni, CEO of Vice Versa Translation Services. I started working with Mike Roth and Sandler in 1992. I was laid off as an engineer from GE Aircraft Engines, and with my severance pay, I bought a lifetime membership in the President's Club. Well, if Mike can train an engineer to have the confidence to sell translations into foreign languages, he can train anyone to be successful. Thanks, Mike. And uh, when you're talking to Mike about sales, ask him to give you my number if you need translations. Tenha um bom dia e muito obrigado. This is Mike Roth and Mike McCormick. Mike, there are a thousand CPAs in any one particular market like Cincinnati. How should a business owner or professional pick the CPA to work with? Well, I, I would certainly say not going through the yellow pages or doing a Google search. Um, you know, you, you need to find someone who is more pro- proactive, more forward thinking than um, your traditional CPA 1.0. You know, someone that is um, maybe not, uh, maybe doesn't have the exact experience in your industry but has experience in uh, industries that are similar to yours or have similar characteristics to yours. Uh, and you can only do that by interviewing them. You can you know, have a face-to-face meeting with them or you know, at least talk to them on the phone. Um, you can uh, ask them for referrals or, or contacts with their, client, their current clients. Sometimes that's difficult, but um, that is something that you might be able to do with some CPAs. Is there a specific set of questions that you would recommend a business owner use to interview CPAs? Uh, a specific set of questions, Mike. Do you have something in mind? Because I, it, it's going to be a different set of questions for each individual business owner. You know, some of them are going to be in a different stage of their career, so it might their questions may lend more towards 
Um, what ha- ha- what's the best way for me to get out of this business and revolve around transfer of ownership issues versus the business owner who is just starting out is more concerned about uh, setting up their systems and um, and and paying the least amount of taxes they can on on current income. Not that the the guy that's selling is not worried about those same issues, but the the, the questions will be will be different, and their concerns will be different. Mm-hmm. Um. But there, there, in your book, is there a, a list of questions that, that you should ask every CPA that you interview? Because, you know, you don't want to interview a thousand of them and you want to uh, interview three or four, perhaps, and make sure you ask the right questions so you get the right answers so you know how to compare them. Sure. One of our co-authors, I believe, has a list in his chapter or her chapter in our book. And goes through a, a, a summary, summarized list of questions that would be good to, to um, become familiar with and customize for the business owner in their interview process. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, what's the difference between a, a conventional CPA and a certified tax coach? Well, there are complementary designations. A certified public accountant, it, that credential was designed to um, give the public assurance that companies that are, that are traded on a stock exchange are presenting their information in a in an accurate format okay so they they were trained as auditors um, over the course of time CPAs have uh, taken on the responsibility and the role uh, either rightly or wrongly as the the tax professional of choice for many ta- many Americans uh, you also have enrolled agents and you also have uh, unlicensed or unregulated tax preparers as well so the CPA credential is an auditor uh, by by training. Unregulated would that be like H and R Block? Uh, no, that well, I wouldn't say that, that necessarily H and R Block. The H and R Block will have uh, credentialed um, preparers in their program. They might just be RRTPs, which is a uh, registered oh. return ta- uh, registered return tax preparer. I think is what the credential is. Um, that simply allows them to sign a sign the tax return. They can't represent the taxpayer in front of the audit, uh, in front of the IRS. They cannot go to tax court. Um, it's a really limited uh, credential. Uh, enrolled agents can represent taxpayers in to, with the IRS. They cannot represent taxpayers in many states. Um, so the CPA credential ha- has that ability alongside of attorneys. Mm-hmm. Um, the certified tax coach credential is 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 another level of training that gives CPAs. Enrolled agents, un, unlicensed tax preparers, even tax attorneys or attorneys, um, additional level, level of training in tax strategies and tax planning um, background. Uh, it's a three-day, I think it's still a three-day program uh, with continuing education courses throughout the year. How long has it been around? Tax the, uh, the, the well, the certified tax coach program. I believe the first ta- certified tax coach academy was in late. Uh, 2009 or early 2010. I don't remember when they, they actually kicked off. I think I was in about the third round of, of training that they, they went, went through. Um, the tax coach program has been around, which is, which is the planning application that we, we use regularly has been around, I believe, since about 2008, 2007, somewhere mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And uh, which certification should a business owner be looking for? Well, the CPA is the go-to for most 
business questions. You know, I, I, I want my clients to see me as the starting point um, because of the relationships that, that we have as CPAs. You know, we work with attorneys regularly. We work with or maybe financial service providers. We, you know, we work with insurance people every day. Um, we, we have clients in a multitude of different industries. Um, you know, if you go to your CPA, chances are you can or they can reach out to someone and help you solve what is, whatever issue it may be in relatively short, short order, uh, or at least put you in touch with someone that can help you do that. So, I, I, you know, the CPA is, is the, the starting point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Mike is great to uh, take questions. If you have a question, you can call in on 646-595-4916. A uh, little change of uh, pace here, Mike. What are the strangest tax deductions or craziest uh, things that, that, that you've seen as deductible that most people would think are not deductible? Wow. Per se. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've seen people tr- attempt to... Um, well, I had a, I got a phone call from uh, someone who happens to be a relative, mm-hmm. and uh, they have rental properties, and they called and asked if they can write off an alarm system in the rental property. Sure, absolutely. And I said, well, yeah. Tell, tell me, tell me more about what it is that you're trying to do. Well, the the alarm system at the time was 165 pounds, but grew to be about 230 pounds. And they wanted to be able to write off its food. <laughs> Sounds like the alarm system was a dog. The alarm system was a, a bull mastiff mm. and was uh, was larger than most men. Mm-hmm. So was he that could the, not write it off. No, he could not write, <laughs> he it, could off. Not write it off. <laughs> he attempted to. He wanted. He wanted the way. But if, if it was a pit bull, was it right? Well, if it if it was a dog that or or an, or an animal that was always at the place of business, yeah, like uh, a, you know, like a, like a, you know, you, you hear the phrase, the junkyard dog, yeah, that's it. you know, that, that, that is a different, different situation. Um, the, that, that animal is there to protect the property. This dog, uh, stayed in their house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had, we actually had a company that sold the product as a Santa client called the electric guard dog. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you ever sat in the president's club class with these guys, but they sold the fence that was electric that would go inside your outer fence. Okay. Okay. So if a perpetrator got by the outer fence, he came to the electric fence, which was rented to the junkyard. So they, the junkyard could take the deduction as an expense. Uh, they, they're, right, they're paying rent and not acquiring, yeah? Yes. Right. Hmm. Okay. So I guess that was that, that, fully that, deductible. That was probably a deductible business expense. Mm-hmm. Ordinary and necessary in their line of work. Okay. Yeah. Good. Let's see how much time do we have left in this segment. We've got about three minutes left in this segment. Mike, how do you uh, deal with real estate agents? Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing for them? Okay. We we've been working with real estate agents specifically for a number of years, and and many CPAs and tax professionals do. Um, I've noticed a a, a trend in real estate agents and the way they, um, many of them conduct their business or don't conduct, conduct their business. And we're, we're, we're going to have a program on July 30th at Indiana, Indiana Wesleyan University that um, I'm, I'm billing as uh, reinventing the real estate agent paradigm. 
Um, many real estate agents get into the business. They see the potential for large dollars. Um, their, their real estate training um, is geared around the property and real estate taxes and, and, and those sorts of, sorts of things. But they're not, they're, they don't receive any business training, how to run a business. Um, but, but that's exactly what they have is a business. Um, so our goal is to show them um, a better way to run, their, run that business. Up until now, you know, it might be 10 months after the year end before they start putting the receipts together and such to do their tax return. So that means they're, they're not only 10 months behind the, the prior year, they're 10 months behind this year in knowing where their business is. They may know the revenue because they got a 1099 from the broker. And they may have a, a, a cursory idea of what some of their business expenses were because the broker tracked them for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have no idea really where their business is. Did they really make money? Did they lose money? Um, what we want to do is help them put in, into place practices and procedures that automate some of those tasks so that at any point in time, we may be able to know within 85 to 90% where they are at any given point during the year. So what it, they could log in and run a financial statement. Um, if they're a, a large enough agent where they have a corporation in play, we, we will help them do, with their payroll. Um, we're just trying to, to, to create a situation where they actually have a way to bi- run a business. Good. Again, Mike has uh, agreed to take questions. The number is 646-595-4916. Let's listen to uh, San LaRue number 34. Hello, I'm Jerry Weinberg, Sandler Training, and I'm here today to talk about Sandler Rule number 34, which says work smart and not hard. So one of the things we need to do when we're involved in in going after a, a prospect is to learn how to qualify and disqualify early on. Uh, it's been my experience, you know, having done this for many, many years, as we coach our clients, as, as we train them, that they seem to spend, many of them, an incredible amount of time chasing, following up business they're never going to get. And for goodness sakes, if you're going to follow, you know, finish second, why do you even want to bother being in there? We don't get paid on experience. And frequently what happens is, uh, we, we have a prospect maybe who's on our top 10 list, let's say, and we want so badly to meet them, and we finally get an appointment with Mr. or Ms. Big, and, and uh, we're brought in there, and uh, next thing you know, we're doing a proposal to a totally unqualified situation. And uh, maybe it's a much larger piece of business than we normally would be working with. And we wind up in Think It Overland. And next thing you know, we're following up and we're, we're making phone calls and, and we're sending emails and nothing's happening. I'll tell you what is happening is we're not prospecting because we're spending too much time with prospects we're never going to do business with. In fact, I'd like you to write that question down and kind of track it over the next several days. How much time do I spend following up, chasing business I'm never going to get and how do I suffer with that? One of the ways that you can work around that is instead of going after a, a large chunk of dollars, start with a smaller piece. We call it a monkey's paw. Get some dollars, maybe for an assessment, maybe for a pilot program. You'll also keep your competition out of the picture. 
you'll at least feel like you're making some progress and then you can make it work better. So again, Jerry Weinberg, Sandler rule number 34, work smart, not hard. This is Mike Roth and uh, Mike McCormick back again talking about how to uh, reduce your taxes or uh, why my CPA didn't tell me that. Let's talk for a minute about a ever popular topic, um, Obamacare. Hmm. Uh, how can you capture use it or lose it tax credits and, and what the heck are they? <laughs> Which one do you want to talk about, Obamacare or the tax credits? Um, tax Obamacare credit. just got a huge boost yesterday, didn't it? Through well, the, the Supreme Court of the United States, yeah, well, they, they, they upheld the uh, the uh, provision for the the state sponsored um, no for the, the, federal, fe- the fe- I'm sorry the federal sponsored uh, tax credits in the states that did not set up an exchange. That's really big. That's really big. Yeah, and we we dealt with uh, you know I I didn't think we would have as many um, clients that had opportunities with the with the uh, Affordable Care Act this year as we did. We we were anticipating some. Um, some clients that, that may have some interaction with the Affordable Care Act. Many of our clients either are, are, self, are self-employed and carry their own insurance, so they have a coverage for the full year, or they're employees of another company that sponsors a program. Um, so it, it was it was the clients that were kind of in between jobs where it came into play, the, the tax credits for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, and obviously we still work with ClaimLinks, which is a uh, provider of alternative financing for benefits. Um, and... You know, the Affordable Care Act has opened up a lot, a lot of opportunities for smaller employees, employers, sorry. Mm-hmm. As far as the tax credits. Use it or lose it tax credits. Use it or lose it tax credits. Tax credits are a great thing in that they reduce your tax bill dollar for dollar. It's not not like another um, expense that reduces your tax um, frac- like fractionally. Deduction. It's not a deduction. That's right. So tax credits are all about knowing what you're eligible for. So something like the the uh, R&D tax credit, if you build a or, or design a product or a process or a piece of software, there are tax credits available for you that, that you can take based on you, the amount of dollars you spend creating that product. Um, now, it, it, there, there are various calculations that need to be done and such, but um, and some of them are costly to calculate. But something like the R&D credit, it's a matter of knowing that you're eligible for it, and then you start tracking the information so that it makes it easier to calculate that credit when it comes due. Another one would be something like the um, uh, domestic production activities deduction. Uh, it's not a credit; it is a deduction. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I almost, I almost threw the acronym at you, but I knew better. The domestic production activities deduction. And that is based that on. That doesn't sound like double speak. No, not does. at all. Not at all. That's it's straight out of the tax code, Mike. <laughs> oh, well, that's double speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's available for any company who has any sort of manufacturing activity. Okay, and they're they're really liberal about what constitutes manufacturing. So essentially, you get nine percent of nine uh, percent of the. Um, the gross profit on the manufacturing activity limited to 50% of the W-2 wages that are associated with it. Um, so in some cases, it's a pretty generous write-off, it's, and you don't have to spend extra dollars to get it. But again, it's a matter of knowing that you're eligible for it or having a tax professional know that it applies to your situation. For so example, producing a radio show counts as manufacturing. No, it has to be something that, that's tangible. So for example, I have a screen, screen printer. 
Okay. Right. Trophy shop and a screen printer. So the he buys T-shirts. They silk screen something on them. They put tax coach on them. Tax, yeah, uh, yeah. We have had silk screen, but sometimes it's embroidery. Um, they they do something to the to the to the shirts that change the final product. Right. They're eligible for the domestic production activities deduction for that manufacturing activity. The same with the trophies that they manufacture. They're assembling these trophies into a final product. Um, Home builders, um, construction, um, real estate, or uh, com- uh, commercial construction activities. Obviously, those sorts of things fit into that mold. But it's the the other smaller entities that sometimes have missed that deduction. Uh, it's a matter of knowing, having someone know that you're eligible for it. It's hmm. an interesting deduction. There are credits for hiring people, uh, veterans, um, and, and some of those hiring credits come and go based on Congress's um, mood. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, are there any uh, secret or hidden write-offs deductions that most small business owners miss? Well, they're all in there. It, again, it's a matter of knowing or, or working with someone that's willing to spend the time or has spent the time to find the, and I like to use the term discounts, you know, to find the discounts that are in the tax code that apply to you. So what, give us a couple of examples of discounts in the tax code that you found for your clients in the last year or so. Well, uh, one is the medical expense reimbursement plan. You know, having a company that, that fits the, the, the criteria to be able to change the way that they buy benefits and provide benefits to their employees. The other would be, would be something, you know, it's... What would that type of company be? Let's take them one at well, a time. It, 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 it will vary by company. You know, what the size of the company from a two-person employee to a hundred-person employee, how that, that piece is structured is going to be different. So if, if a company, first of all, is in that range of two to a hundred, they, they can get a benefit through this 105 plan? Well, it may be a combination of a 105 plan and um, a group health plan or an individual plan. It just depends on, on the company and the number of employees that are in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, as far as another deduction, it could be, Something that in most many cases it's in plain sight they just don't realize it. Many business owners have their children work in their business, but mm-hmm. they don't pay them. You know, they say here it's part of your allowance. Right. Uh, but the business owner could write them a check and put it into a bank account on behalf of the child, and potentially start a Roth IRA. If they pay that child be anywhere between zero and up to about sixty two hundred dollars, they don't have any income tax liability on it. So that money may never have any tax paid on it at all. It's a write-off to the business, goes to the child, goes into a bank account for the child, goes into a Roth account for the child, and grows for as long as they leave it in there. Mm. And the child has to be a minor. No. child can be any age. Now, as far as – absolutely. it's really? it, Yeah, absolutely. It has, has nothing to do with – the, the child could, it should be over seven years old. The IRS uses seven as the, the – the, and it's the age of reason when, when – it makes sense that somebody could hire them. Now, if they're a child actor or something, that's a little different. If they're a child actor and a model and they're, they're Spe- modeling. They're really cute. Commercial. Yeah, special circumstances. But in general, hiring your child seven years or older. Um, now, if you're, you're uh, unincorporated, you're operating as a uh, single-member LLC or, or a sole proprietorship, you can pay your child, and they don't even pay Social Security Medicare tax on the wages that you pay them uh, one, until they're 18 years old. Now, that's different if you're operating as a corporation. You can still pay them and expense that payment for the work they, that they do for your business um, up to $6,200. You put it on the W-2, you will, you'll pay Social Security Medicare tax on it, but no income tax. Mm-hmm. 
again, it, it's earned income to them. So it goes into their bank account. They can then uh, invest that money into a Roth IRA hmm. and let it grow. Well, that's a good deal. Yeah, that, that's, you know, talking about being able to finance your uh, college education, put $6,200 in tax-free. Every year. Every year. For 18 years. 15, say, let's say 15 years. Whatever the number is, and you know, it's it's a good way to get started. Mm-hmm. May not cover the full tuition at uh, at uh, Stanford, but it's definitely a good start. But most people can't get it to Stanford. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, retirement planning. Mm. Okay. What should a small business owner do in the next uh, year to maximize their income at retirement? Are they selling a business or they've already sold it? They plan on selling it. They plan on the, selling business. Within the next three years. Um, I was talking to that guy yesterday. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, the one thing to do is start early. Um, you know, attempt to um, hash out the details of what that sale transaction may look like, what the impact will be to your, to the lifestyle of the, the retiring business owner, whether or not there will be ongoing income coming in from consulting agreements uh, with the new owner, um, and and again, it's it comes back to planning and laying out what that retirement may look like based on the proceeds from the sale, tax implications, what other assets are available to the business owner and their spouse, um, and and projecting out what their lifestyle might may look like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now there are there are various ways to uh, get out of a business. You know, it could be a so now we're talking about exit strategy. Exit strategy, sure. Uh, you know, it's uh, you brought up the sales situation. It could be someone where uh, it's an outside sale. It could be a sale to a an employee, uh, maybe a in the right size entity. Maybe an employee stock option program might be the right way to go. An ESOP plan. ESOP plan. Um, there are there are tremendous tax advantages to ESOPs to. Uh, to entities of the right size, and in the right size would be somewhere um, north of ten employees. Um, that you know, a business owner could sell a portion of their ownership to the ESOP, still maintain control, still mm-hmm. make all the decisions, um, and have a potential write-off for a portion of of the sale. It's a it's a phenomenal strategy. We can't get into the details here, but in the right scenario, an ESOP is a fantastic way to transfer your business or a portion of your business. So if you have ten employees and you're thinking of exiting, mm-hmm. ESOP is a way to go. ESOP, and they should call you on absolutely five one three four eight eight one one two one. Good. Um, let's pretend uh, ESOP is in the direction that mm-hmm. the business owner is thinking. Uh, lots of times we, we, we've heard about uh, seller financing. Mm. What are the tax implications in seller financing a business sale? Well, most if, if you are the seller, your tax advisor or your financial advisor would probably um, attempt to lead you away from doing seller financing. Uh, it's risky. Um, you know, you, you, it, you, you feel more compelled to continue to participate in the business, maybe more so than you would want to, um, the, the sale itself, if we, if we put all that behind us and, and move towards a, an, we would call it an, an installment sale. Um, you would recognize 
a portion of the tax liability in the year of sale. And then as you received subsequent payments, you would ha you would have a portion of that subject to tax as well. Um, rather than paying the entire capital gain tax in the year of sale, you just recognize the, the gain as cash was received over the period of time. So that might actually lower the effective rate of tax on the purchase price? Not necessarily, um, because capital gains right now are, are a flat, flat 15% mm -hmm. or maybe 20 if your income's high enough. Um, so it, if you look at the time value of money, um, it may actually cost you more uh, from that aspect, but the, the rate itself would, would still be pretty flat. Good. We're going to take a uh, another short commercial break here, Mike, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Again, if you have a question for Mike, you can call in on 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money! Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over, and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-646-6523. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting. 513 646 6523. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. If you're a salesperson or a company owner, my message is critical for you. Today, I want to talk to you about the real secret of getting out of debt. Earn more money. Most salespeople and owners want to sell more at a higher price with better margins, but don't know how. I've helped hundreds of people and companies grow over 30% per year by making an investment in themselves. Albert Einstein said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I teach my clients new and different strategies, tactics, and behaviors that get dramatic results. I'm not for everyone. I'm tough, expensive, abrasive, and not politically correct. But if you want results, we need to talk. Call me at 513-753-9400, extension 102. Give me your toughest questions. Then, if you qualify, I'll invite you in for a free meeting, 513-753-9400, extension 102. This is Mike Roth and Mike McCormick in the fourth segment. And I want to thank our listeners for listening. Uh, since we don't have any calls on the board, Mike, uh, let's uh, talk about some, some of the uh, things that people uh, are making mistakes about, like losing their tax-free status of their, their nonprofits. The nonprofits, that, well, that's that's pretty bad. Um, the IRS has made it in some ways easier for smaller nonprofit organizations to file a postcard that essentially lets the IRS know that they're still around. Mm -hmm. um, I, I only work with a couple couple of nonprofits, and um, one is larger than the other. It's, a, it, it's considered a, a private foundation. Uh, the other is uh, essentially a, a soccer community. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, it, it really does come down to dotting your I's and crossing your T's. 
making sure that you file that annual report, whether it's an actual tax return or a postcard return to let the IRS know, hey, I'm still here. So even if you're bringing in less than $5,000 a year as a nonprofit, you have to file a it's postcard. a post postcard return. Yeah, it's, it's like what what everybody wishes the IRS's tax return would be. You know, or not wishes it. It's the joke. It's uh, how much did you make last year and send it in. <laughs> um, but it, it's just a postcard. It, it essentially lets the IRS know that the nonprofit is still around. Mm-hmm. And for a larger nonprofit, well, depending on the nonprofit, there there could be an actual tax return that's due. Um, and sometimes those can be fairly complex based on the type of entity. If it's a, a private operating foundation versus a simply a, um, a charitable organization that's, say, collecting money for Down syndrome or something like that, the filing requirements um, are different but still uh, difficult, would be difficult for the average um, layperson to go through. Mm-hmm. Are, are there any, changing the subject completely, are there any uh – tax-saving strategies you can give our entrepreneur listeners who are thinking of starting a new business? Well, keep keep good records. Um, the IRS has allowed uh, and cha- IRS and Congress have, have changed some of the coding around startup costs. It used to be that you had to, to capitalize your startup costs and write them off over 60 months. Now there's a, an option to be able to write off the first $5,000 in the year of startup. Um, so that's a, a big boon for starting a business. Um, you know, I always tell people that the the tax code is is there are more opportunities in the tax code for business owners than there are for W two employees. Um, if most of your income comes from a W two, you could start a business on the side and still open up the entire business tax code to you as a business owner. Um, it, it it just makes um, opens up the the world of opportunities to you to be able to uh, to write off potentially uh, more more dollars that you're spending anyway. So if you're a W-2 employee, mm-hmm. you could open up a... Well, you could start any number of businesses, Mike. There, there are uh, multi-level businesses out there. You could start a, um, you know, pick one. Prepaid legal. Prepaid legal, sure. Uh, uh, what's what's another one? Um, Melaleuca. Melaleuca, sure. Those are all legitimate businesses. Now, some people may uh, poo-poo the idea of a multi-level scenario, but they are legitimate businesses, you know. The the and the the, the original one is escaping me, but uh, you know the 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 soap company Amway. Amway, there you go. Uh, you know those companies are still around. They they are large companies, publicly traded in in, mm-hmm. in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know those are legitimate businesses. It's a ma- whether you make money at it or not, or maybe just use the products. But if you're if you're attempting to grow a business, you are in business. You ha- you are a business. Well, how many years could you operate at a loss? Well, it depends. the The IRS, yeah, I know, Mike, failed PNG product. The IRS says that um, you you need to show profit in three out of five years. But the reality is that even if you go five years without showing a profit, as long as you can can legitimately show that you are attempting to run a business to generate a profit, there is something on the horizon. You could run a loss for more years than just the three out of five. Hmm. Uh, so, could an employee intentionally run a, a second business? Just for the purpose of writing off additional expenses? No, you'd, you'd have to have a business purpose. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't work at um, a W two job and then just say you're in business and write off your uh, an office in the home 
uh, without having I'm doing bookkeeping work on the side. Well, if you're doing bookkeeping on, on the side, that's a different subject. Now you're a business. Now you have um, expenses related to doing bookkeeping, whether it's supplies or, or utilities. Maybe or now, maybe you've converted your cell phone to business use now. Or I'm a, a contractor. I'm building so, garages. Same thing. You, you, you Now you're a legitimate business. Um, a lot of people, um, you know, if it's a one-off thing, you, you built one garage and you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, that that probably lends itself more to being a hobby almost. Mm-hmm. So it's, you don't you may not get the full benefit of an ongoing business operation. Right, but I have to run advertising to let people know I'm. Uh, well, that garages. well that's saying that that's the advertising that you spent to get that that one job would be a deduction. Well, I'm I'm advertising to get future jobs. Well, if you're it's an ongoing business then. That's Even if that's I don't business expense. New garage contract. Well, you, then you have to look at it from the aspect of Mike. Why would you spend the dollar on advertising anything if you didn't expect and 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 anticipate actually getting that job to generate some revenue? Well, I expect it, but it didn't come in. Well, if it didn't come in, if 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 it didn't come in um, as a as you know in an ordinary course of business, you would still write it off. Because you have an intent to do the work, right? But if you if you if you're if you don't have the intent to do the work, you wouldn't spend the dollar, you wouldn't spend the hundred dollars, the fifty dollars, whatever it is, to market something that you don't intend to follow through with. Yeah. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't make it wouldn't be rational. Okay. <laughs> or, it's, it has to be ordinary and necessary. And if if you're if you're not going to follow through with doing the work, it wouldn't be necessary. Mm-hmm. But you don't know if you're going to do the work until you get the work. Well, I, I think you, you you would distinguish between accepting a job versus versus not accept not accepting a job. But uh, if if your intent is not to do the job, then um, then you 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 just wouldn't spend the dollar doing the advertising. Mike, uh, what should a small business owner do to avoid being audited by the IRS? Well, there are various things you can do to avoid being audited, as well as protecting yourself once you get into an audit, because no CPA or tax professional can ever um, specifically say, do this, and you'll never be audited. Um, the IRS publishes its audit statistics, and based on what how, how what your revenue is or what business entity type you're operating under, uh, you can dramatically cut back your audit exposure. And I'll start with a basic example. If you have a, um, a Schedule C file or a sole proprietor who is earning less than forty thousand or less than hundred thousand dollars in revenue, their audit exposure is really not much greater than the ten forty by itself. Mm-hmm. As soon as that revenue goes over one hundred thousand dollars, their audit exposure goes up by f- a factor of four, four times more likely to be audited. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, what can they do to mitigate that exposure? Um, there are other factors we would, want, we would want to take into consideration, but one of them would be, should we change the entity type? If we take that sole proprietor and have the exact same business, same revenue, same expenses, and operate as a corporation or a more specifically an S corporation, their audit exposure drops below what it was as a, as a 1040 filer. Mm. So it, it, it almost reverses the entire effect of having that additional revenue. Um, corporate entities in general are audited ex- much less than a 1040. So that would be S and C corporation. S and C corporation and, entities. And, and, or an LLC taxed as either, okay? Uh, because LLCs can elect different tax strategies. 
or, or tax taxing entity structures. Mm-hmm. Um, so just having the entity itself is a major uh, way to prevent or limit your exposure. I call it the audit footprint uh, for a business a- um, activity. Um, now, the other piece of it, as we, we discussed prior, was um, once you're in an audit, the biggest factor of um, coming out ahead in the audit is is documentation. It's having the auto log. It's having the the employee punch cards for their hours. It's having the documentation that back up the expenses that we took on the tax return. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there a advantage to being a S corp as opposed to a C corp? From an audit perspective, no, I, audit. I think the audit audit exposure is about the same on an S corp versus a C corp. The C corp may be a little less, um, and part of it I think comes down to the IRS having trained personnel to do the audits. Um, they have a lot of people that know 1040s. I think they have less people that know how to do C corporations and less people that know how to do S corporations. Um, so it's a it's a um, staffing issue in some cases for the IRS. Um, we can never tell tell a taxpayer that that you're never going to be audited. It would be unprofessional and and just flat out lying. But we can do things to mitigate that that possibility. Um, and sometimes we make those changes and and you still get audited. Um, but but overall, the statistics show that changing your changing your entity type can be a positive way to to limit your exposure. Mm-hmm. Once your your company has been audited once, are you going to be audited every year? Not necessarily. Um, it, it, again, it's going to come down to how that audit pr- is processed. If the if that agent feels as though you're 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 a repeat offender, mm-hmm. I think you may be more likely to be audited. Um, but if you come out clean or, or minor issues, um, the likelihood of you being on that that uh, repeat offender list is much less. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What percentage of the audit audit audits that you've participated in? result in no material change or the IRS giving back money to the taxpayer? Well, I I hesitate to answer that, but so far the audits that I've been involved with have all resulted in in either refunds or relatively nominal balance dues. And most of the the times when a balance was due, it was because we didn't have the documentation to back up something that the taxpayer wrote off. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, it comes down to documentation. It could have been um, the one that comes to mind was an audit log, um, you know, and, and actually the audit log came up in two different ones. I had a courier, courier service mm-hmm. who I, there, I would have never guessed that he actually had the logs to back up the mileage expenses. He had three, I think three vehicles at the time mm-hmm. uh, running all over the place. Um, he got audited. They selected it, told him, told him to bring in the mileage logs and he had, he had every one of them. He could document the, the oil changes. He had every mile on there. They, all the the three vehicles were strictly used for business. Um, we got a no change audit. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yep. That's great. Uh, any last minute tax tips you want to uh, give for our listeners? Planning is the key. Start planning early. Maintain your plan. Talk to your tax advisor. If if your tax advisor, uh, when does, should they hire a tax advisor? Um, well, tax planning and, and finding your tax advisor, in my opinion, are best done early in the year. Uh, that way you can put into place strategies that are designed to save you money all the way throughout the year. Mm-hmm. If you wait till November or December to do tax planning as the media would like you to think is the best time, then you're missing out of, on being able to write off things that happen in January, February, March, or early in the year. 
Uh, the best time to do planning is early in the year uh, and keep it updated. Good. Mike, thanks again for uh, being on the show. And uh, I'm giving you a copy of the new Sandler book, Selling Technology. Uh, we had Rich Torello on the show uh, last Friday. Uh, great show to go back and listen to. And uh, again, Mike, thanks for coming in and uh, talking to us here on Cincinnati Business Talk Radio. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513 753 9400.